0: It's review week again here in the UK as we all await the verdict as to whether or not the current lockdown measures are to be adjusted this coming Thursday the 7th of May. As March dragged and April flew, could May begin to signal the return to something resembling normality? From all YE1 participants, keep well, look after each other and thank you to all NHS staff and key workers whom we have not risen to the crisis so courageously without. Welcome to to another exciting week on YE one Daily, which starts here on the border of the last millennium. Yes, this is our 2000-2001 season review with me, Ian Wallace, Matthew Fletcher-Jones, and the Wright boys, Sim and Peter. Welcome, guys. Fletch, Peter, very good to have you both, and apologies for the spoiler, but the previous three podcasts have assessed 9th, 10th and 14th place league finishes, while the next five, starting with this one, feature the following 12th, 10th, 11th, 14th and 10th again. So guys, being of an age like I am to remember these inadequate seasons, how are you finding
1: them to review 20 years on? It just feels like a middle-of-the-table sort of mediocrity. I'm really sorry. It's just like, sound like a broken record when I say... You could see this all leading up to the departure of Saul Campbell really because I think he could see what was unfolding. The pattern of, you know, if you could draw a graph of what we were doing, it just it didn't seem to it didn't seem to have progress.
0: I agree. And Matt, how
1: do you how do you sort of feel these seasons reviewing them? I mean they're
0: pretty terrified season.
2: How do you find well, them? It's, it's kind of interesting looking back, because there was a period where it just all blurred into one. Looking mm. back, you know, you kind of don't pick out a standout season now where you might say, oh, you know, 2011 was good because of this. You know, other than the kind of huddle arrival season, I think a lot of them just kind of blurred into one, really, where it was much of a muchness. Any really good player we had kind of went. And me, me and my best mate we grew up with who we both Spurs fans, we used to have a bet at the start of the season and one of us would choose 11th and one of us would <laughs> 12th. And that, was kind of pretty consistent for this whole period, really. I think the season we're going to talk about was a particularly dull one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. Um, and Sim, being uh,
0: being of an age where you're used to European football and Champions League football like that every season at the very least,
3: how do you view this period of uh, Spurs? Well, since we've been doing the reviews, funnily enough, one of my favourite seasons was that uh, was the one we did with Anthony Costa, the 8 one. And not only because we won a trophy but also just because it because of that kind of spursy exciting rollercoaster feeling even though we finished really poorly in 11th i suppose there's there's something quite fun about scoring a lot of goals and also conceding a lot of them going into games not really knowing you know who was going to win what i mean, i think mean, we tend to go into most of the games now and think we should win this game bar and maybe play in the top six it seems something exciting about going into the games just with no idea what's going to happen but you know these these seasons we're doing now if i actually think about it they do seem pretty dark and i feel like that novelty probably would have worn off by now They were dark
0: dark days and ironically i don't know about you guys i actually enjoyed going to the games quite a lot during this period because i used to see my mates there was no pressure. I used to go to the pub beforehand. It was it just felt a lot
2: less tense than what it is now. No expectation whatsoever. We pretty much would win a third of our games, draw a third of our games, and lose a third of our games. Literally, anything could happen. Drink your way through it. I think that's what
0: we used to do. Sim, can you give us the key facts of the season, please? And I think we'll, we'll change, we'll change our course this time. We'll start with the FA Cup and the League Cup, and then we'll finish discussing the Premier League season sims. If you give us some key stats, please, that'd be great.
3: Yeah, well if I just quote you the Premier League finish, we finished 12th in the league. There was quite an interesting trend that does pick up in the Premier League, but we'll touch on that later. We got to the semi-final of the FA Cup, which didn't end well in the end, so it's another semi-final defeat. The Enoch group were buying share after share and upping their stake in the club from Alan Sugar. And it just, it felt like, I obviously I don't remember at the time, but it felt like there was quite a toxic feel around the club with people not really liking the owner and not liking the manager, George Graham, at the time as well. How did it How did it feel around kind of going to the games and just the atmosphere around the club at the time? I mean,
0: I hated George Graham. Uh, yeah, the football was turgid, the arrogance of him, I mean... I'll talk about a game at Ipswich away later on, but yeah, it was pretty poor and dark. Just the st- I wouldn't mind if we lost and we played well, but the football and uh, Peter, I'm sure you yeah. remember, the football was pretty poor, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, someone like David Ginola was kind of put out to pasture, really. And it says I think he might have fallen out with him prior to his departure. So yeah, you know, it's not really much flair, flair in there at all. Sim, if you can take us for our
3: FA Cup. As I said before, we got to the semi-final. We beat Leighton Orient and Charlton in two, two away London derbies in the first two rounds, the third round and the fourth round. 1-0 and 4-2. Played Stockport County in the fifth round, actually. We beat them 4-0 and won an exciting game at West Ham as well, which must have been a really momentous one, actually. It was a good West Ham side that we beat. Uh, we won 3-2. Really uh, good team. Yeah, 3-2 to You some
0: of the players in that, team. can you?
3: Yeah, so the West Ham team that day, lot Winterburn, Stuart Pearce, Stimac, Christian Daly, Schemmel, Frank Lampard, Joe Cole, Michael Carrick, Paolo De Canio and Freddie Canute. What a side. Good side, yeah.
0: Yeah. That was that was a
3: big win. Fletch, you remember that game? A little
2: bit, yeah. You know, I, I'm always uh shocked when I look at the stats and there's a couple of goals next to Red Bob's name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which kind of happened that day, you know, and everyone loved to try it. But yeah, it was good good cut run that year. Unfortunately, um didn't end well. What was your thoughts on Rebrov, Peter? Because that was possibly his best game for
1: us. Were you a fan of Rebrov? Yeah, he hit a really sweet volley in that game, I seem to remember. He did. Uh, My general feeling about him was I thought we bought the wrong Ukrainian. (laughs) I think Selçukov was the one that we should... And maybe (laughs) the wrong one came to the lane.
2: The one thing I remember thinking about, because he obviously had a bit of talent, but you look at the team that year, other than kind of Campbell and Ferdinand... And we were such a slight, lightweight team. I mean, Carr was a quality player, but Torico wasn't a particularly big guy. Obviously, Anderton, even Perry in the central defence, and then your Esteringtons and your Davies and Cle- Leonardson. We're
3: still at
2: Leonardson. Yeah, we still had Leonardson. Yeah, it was <laughs> still a period where you could get kicked out of a game quite easily in in those days and bullied out of the game. And I think a lot of the time. Remarkable considering who was manager, but um, we were a little team.
0: That's a really good point there, Fletch. Really, really good point. Trico could really kick a few. It it was a nasty bit of work. He could could look after himself. And then we had
1: Arsenal in the semi-final. Peter, what's your memory of that game? Well, um, we went up to Manchester, actually, for that. We sort of made a night of it. And I I just remember uh, Sol Campbell getting injured kind of like in going off which turned out to be his last game for us. Gary Doherty, I'm sure although you said the lineup is that he was in defence, but I'm sure he played up front. Well at least he definitely scored our he scored our goal anyway. And there uh, just obviously real disappointment. Perez scored yet another goal against us and I think it turned out the best part of the evening was our night out in the less the least sub- salubrious part of Manchester where they were Pregnant women out on the pool <laughs> the <laughs> night That's a niche nightclub. Pregnant women nightclub. Interesting, yeah. Peter. I think, the, I think I remember uh, Nick's dad saying, at least you can't get them up the dock. <laughs> 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 but, uh, Interesting. Moving to
3: a
0: but I, I felt, I mean, that game, Fletcher, I don't know if you remember it. I mean, I remember it very well. I mean, they were much better than us. They dominated the whole game, even though we took the lead from Doherty, as you said. Um, Ledley was on the bench in that game. I and mean, we, we had a back four of Carr, Campbell, Perry and Young. Matt, that's not going to hold up against that Arsenal team at the time, was it? I
2: don't know. They, they were, you know, I hate to say it, they were a quality team and they steamrolled us. And we probably just annoyed them by scoring first, I think, which was... I think it was a
3: bit of a scramble and I, don't know. I can't I can't remember if he played up front or not. But we seem to have Iverson Rebrov and Ferdinand on the pitch. And the commentator actually says, um, Doc, has he stayed up. So I assume that he had just gone up for a set piece. But yeah, apparently he did play up front a lot.
2: Luke Young lives on my streets. We're only on nodding terms, but I've seen him walking his dog on Wimbledon Common. Mm. We've spoken about Sol Campbell a lot, but I was gutted when we lost Stephen Carr who was probably our best player in the period after after that. Obviously, we lost him to the Mites, the greats of Newcastle United. I think that says a lot about our club,
0: actually, at the time. Sim, can you sort of just move move on to our League Cup and then we'll come on to the Premier League?
3: It's interesting, actually. I, I didn't actually know this, but the second round of the League Cup was two-legged between 1975-76 yeah. yeah. and this season here, which I, I never actually knew.
2: Yeah, it was always home and away. Yeah. To make money for the smaller clubs, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, so they yeah. always got home and
3: away games, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> they, But they obviously it would be too much of a fixture pile-off, I would think, to do it for yeah. any any more rounds than that.
1: Yeah, the big clubs would be against it now.
3: Yeah, but we, we, anyway, we played Brentford in the two-legged one. We actually drew 0-0 away, but then we won 2-0 at home in the second in the second leg, so won it 2-0 in aggregate. Crashed out in the next round against Birmingham. We actually got to the final that year. They got beat by Liverpool... This is the year that Liverpool won the inferior treble, as people Uh, nicely call it. Of
2: course, yeah, yeah. Let's sort of go
0: back to the start of the season, guys. So, The previous season, under George Graham, we finished 12th. Sim, can you sort of give us the transfers in that season?
3: We broke our traps for a record of Redbro. That was eleven million. It was big
1: at the time. Yeah. yeah,
3: quite a lot of money. And um, Matt said he's a he's a trier I think that's that's a lot of the stories that I've heard from Spurs fans. Spurs fans are always going to kind of get behind someone like that. And he did <laughs> he did get twelve goals, which is not a terrible return. But I don't feel like he ever really hit the heights from the what I've heard about him. There's a footballer in there, but I just think the signing the signing never connected.
1: It just uh, for whatever reason a move is right for some players. And, you know, some people hit the ground running and he didn't, unfortunately.
0: I think, yes, he actually had some bad players around
2: him. If he needed better players, Matt, would you agree? I think so, yeah. He was, uh, he was a decent player, possibly just not suited to English football at the time. We tried to do the classic British big man, little man with him more often than not. And I think he was slightly more settled than that and wanted to move between the lines and stuff. And I don't think... There was a good fit on either side, unfortunately. Although I remember desperately wanting him to do well and being very excited when we'd signed him as well, because I think the Ukraine had only just started to really emerge as a force, having previously been part of the Soviet Union. Yeah. And you kind yeah. of seen him and Shevchenko, and were like, "Oh my God, these are the hot striking duo in Europe, and we've got one of them." But yeah, it never really, there was a touch of the Soldados to it. Yeah, he's yeah. a better player
1: than the Soldado. Though. That volley against West Ham proved that there was a player technically in there.
3: Yeah, I agree. I agree, Peter. Technically a lovely footballer on the ball. Sim, who else did we bring in? Capitalised on Wimbledon's relegation and got Ben Thatcher for five million and Neil Sullivan for free, And that tied up our, our dealings for that summer. Apart from Reborauf, who sounds like he was probably quite an exciting signing, then last two ones pretty underwhelming. Yeah. And the players who went out, Sim? The players who went out: Espen Bardson, goalkeeper, and um, Alan Nielsen as well, who scored the winning goal in the League Cup final. Am I right? Yep. correct. Right. Yeah, both of them went to Watford. A winger called Jose Dominguez went <laughs> out Lovely too. Lovely little footballer he was. We all yeah.
2: remember Dominguez. Yeah. The ultimate Spurs signing of that period, I think. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there's been so many of those players hasn't there Peter uh, I'm sure you'd agree with lightweight me. winger who had lots of talent but running through muddy pitches in February getting kicked up in the air by the likes of Ben Thatcher previously yeah it never really never really happened to him in previous years we might have had him on one wing and Rule Fox on the other which yes. is classic Spurs in the 90s yeah. absolute classic Spurs so, Peter do you remember
1: Dominguez? he had one really good game and I can't remember who he was again, <laughs> but I just thought, oh, he could be quite good. But then, you know, I think he was a bit lightweight.
0: And one other went out, i one other big player went out for us.
3: David Gianella was probably the big exit from this summer. Peter mentioned it before, that he's just, I mean, you think about George Graham, not even just the style of play, but just the mentality, like David Gianella is a bit of a different kind of player, a flamboyant player, and it just doesn't. To me, it doesn't sound like he would have ever yeah, fitted yeah. into George Graham. He was always seemed to be at odds with George Graham, I thought. Yeah, you're right, and also a young Peter Crouch went, didn't he? Sim? He did. Yeah, he went to QPR for sixty k and was back in two thousand and nine. So, yeah. you know, he just went on a went on a nine year holiday and then came back on for a couple of years. Justin Edinburgh as well ended his ten year spell with us. He went to Portsmouth for £175,000 in the March of that year.
0: The chairman for the start of the season was Alan Sugar and George Graham was the manager. So I didn't feel very excited about the season. I went to the pre-season game where we beat QPR 2-0 in another turgid affair. But we actually started the season not not too
2: badly, Fletch. You remember? Yeah, we made an all-right start, didn't we? Beating Ipswich in the sun at home kind of a start. And I don't think we lost in the first five or six games we lost one goals as well and yeah we got off to a decent start but I don't think it lasted much after that no Peter do you remember much
0: I mean we in the first you know we we lost one out of our first five games and then we just seemed to the next 11 games we lost six and drew one it was again it was just stop start stop start we just never got going did we Peter that season yeah they just
1: couldn't get the consistency I mean he'd won having won that Worthington Cup with us uh, in nineteen nine, kind of like a bit of a downward trajectory from their results wise. I thought, you know, a few highs and lows, but just a general trend downwards in terms of results, which obviously culminated in him leaving. You
0: know, the football was just so dreadful. Less than um, mouth watering.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I went away to Ipswich actually on the thirtieth of December, an away game. We lost three 0 away at Ipswich and I remember Rebrov was on the bench and Doherty was up Doherty was up front. And I remember just watching the the crowd were like, you know, slating off the man in the raincoat. He was just standing there. It was it was possibly one of the darkest points of being a Spurs fan. It was yeah. bloody cold as well. The football was just turgy, wasn't it, Matt?
2: Yeah. The football was was awful, but there was also a kind of feeling of inevitability about it. You know, I can't remember Before, since, you know, even Phyllis and you know, obviously the current manager, but it was kind of hated when he was was hired, you know, even though the success he'd had. And then he stuck to his guns and just played that type of football. But you always just kind of felt we were going nowhere and it was going to come to an end sooner or later. And you had to just sit it out. And, you know, I'll confess too, you know, a bit of loss of interest at the time because you were like, well, this guy's going, our team's yeah. average, and we don't try and play entertaining football. You know, I'd rather maybe have Dominguez and Fox bombing down the wings with very little because at least it'd be a bit more entertaining than, you know,
0: nil-nil after nil-nil. The backdrop of all this at the time, Peter, there was a company who wanted to buy Spurs at the time, so they were called INIC, yeah. as we all know them, which stands for English. National Investments Company, Peter. Do you sort of remember this going on in the background? Yeah, I
1: just, I just remember a kind of a little an air of tox, toxicity around. Um, was it the Alan Sugar regime coming to an end? Yes. And him kind of falling out with everybody. I just seem to remember him being in the papers and sort of like seemed to be getting fed up with the whole thing and was looking looking to sell the club.
0: He wanted to get rid, Peter. You're right. Do you say, looking back, his tenure was
1: a success, really? A few peaks and troughs. I mean, obviously, we got that FA Cup in. No. Was that under him? Yeah, it was under he, him. It was under yeah, it was, him. yeah. We were under Venables, yeah, with Venables was the money. See, I I after he fell out with Venables, I kind of fell out with him a bit, you know, I think. Yeah, just, me too. It, and then in that, a, his last days were a bit toxic. He
2: never had the money, really, did he? He'd kind of you know, come to the rescue of the club, effectively. But I don't think he really had the money to push the club along. And he obviously didn't want to take the risk of putting his hand in his pocket either. So I think it all just kind of ground to a halt. Yeah. Although I like the way we had a bit of a precursor of what was to come. Because you know, apparently we sold Ginola just because he was 32 and we could get a few million for him. Yeah, it's obviously been a bit of a practice which continues to this day. Yeah, yeah you're
0: right. So that, that was sort of going on in the background while our league form was stuttering. So this was being talked about in December. I think they took over in roughly about December. But then Sugar stayed on as chairman until February, ending a 10-year association. They bought a stake of 29.9% for £22 million. Basically, they, they were famous for taking stakes in clubs who regularly appear in European competition. Then they would tighten the management structure then capitalise on the marketing and media rights. You know, we were right in their sweet spot, weren't we, Fledge?
2: Oh, yeah. Very much so, yeah. They had
0: actually already had states in Rangers who were in Europe, so Salvia Prague in Europe, Vicenza, they are in Europe, FC Basel, they are in Europe, and AEK Athens. So, you know, we really, really were in their sweet spot, weren't we?
2: Yeah, and they obviously saw the, you know, I hate to use the phrase sleeping giant or something like that, but... You know, the, obviously the money was growing in the Premier League. We were just coming up to, you know, nine, ten years of it, of Sky's dominance. And I think the kind of the amount of money spent in the summer by some clubs, more and more money was coming into English football. And I think the, the power was shifting as well. Because I think a few years before, we'd been a bit of a retirement home, hadn't we? You know, yep. even those big players coming to Chelsea, the Hullets and so on, at the end of their careers and that was starting to change and Serie A was no longer in the ascendancy and I think they spotted the long game while having pockets deep enough to kind of push things along if they needed to in the way that Sugar didn't they had an eye on the future with us definitely and obviously proved to you know we're a very different club now 20 years later
0: Levy was 38 when this happened and it was quoted that he would be responsible to oversee a five-year plan to get Spurs back to one of the top sides in the country. So in the five years after this, we finished ninth, 10th, 14th, ninth, And then in the last year, we finished 5th. So, Peter, it's quite interesting that did they sort of achieve it?
1: Oh, uh, God, arguably. I think they've achieved a a bit of stability on the... uh financial side uh, there's no way that we were ever going to go bust and i mean even i mean sugar is quite an astute guy in the sense that he knew sort of how to deal financially but the fact is that he'd um, bought the club without bothering to tell his wife i think i think famously came home one day and said <laughs> oh I, I, by the way i bought tottenham Hotspur." you know it's a bit different from her going out and buying a few handbags you know but i'd say that they progress on a financial stability under edict Don't know about on the football pitch. When he took over, someone from
0: Soccer Investor magazine, which is a business magazine, said Tottenham will be NX flagship club, but the company is unlikely to make millions available overnight. They have not done that with their other clubs and are unlikely to change their approach. You know, ain't that the truth, guys? Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: very cautious.
0: Yeah. Also, Damien Camoli um, said to Forbes magazine recently about Levy that he feels that they should build a statue of Levy outside White Hart Lane for what he's done for the club. I mean, Mac or Sim, can I Sim? Can I throw this at you? How do you sort of feel about that comment by Damien Kimoni?
3: I think if we see enough on the pitch for that to happen, I think I'd probably prefer to see a statue of Harry Kane rather than a statue of yeah. Daniel Levy. You say, like, the five-year plan that they set out and... 2001 to 2006 that would have been i suppose yeah you could say you could say that they did achieve what they'd set out to do but i think what we're starting to see and we've seen it many times where we get to that crossroads and we go back and then we get to the crossroads again and go back there seems to be a glass ceiling with this ownership and the whole strategy of revolving around european football and all that that's great and they're achieving that consistently we've been in europe for over 10 years every season now but they just, it seems to, there seems to definitely be a limit to where they can take us. And we seem to have reached that limit again and then fallen. And that's what's happened this season, I think.
1: Yeah, under uh, 2017 with uh, Potts, you know, same fork in the road. And, uh, you know, they would, they, we could have gone one way or the other. It was a crossroads for us and uh, pivotal moments. And uh, they haven't stepped up at the pivotal moments, although they've been cautious and stable and very astute with their financial dealings and... You can't yeah. argue with that stadium that they built, but I don't think you can build statues because of stadiums. I think you build statues because of achievements on the pitch.
0: Yeah, totally agree, uh, Matt. Anything to add on that from a from your professional sports market? If it's a
2: fundraiser for the Levy statue, then I'm happy to put a few quid in. You know, you just spoke ten minutes ago about us losing to Ipswich three 0 in you know in 2000 and where we were. We've got the best stadium in the world, we've got the best training grounds. We've been to a Champions League final, which is remarkable, you know, and it's all happened under Enoch and you know, we weren't in the best place when it started, we're in a better place and kind of relatively yeah, we should have you know, we probably should have won the league three years ago or so on. But I think kind of bigger picture in how we're financially run, with what's going on in the world at the moment, if all the money kind of came out of, you know, the likes of Man United and City and so on, you know, we'd be one of the few clubs left standing, really. So I'm a fan of how things have been run financially. Obviously, we want success on the pitch, but by God, we're in a better place than where we were when they took over. Yeah, that's interesting. Really interesting uh,
0: attitude. I I, I would have Um, to ask
1: you the euphoria of the goal at Ajax how does that compare with the publishing of the balance sheets that show that we've had record profits i mean does that excite you in the same way as you know
2: not in the same way but yeah. maybe you don't get one without the other unless yeah. you get bought by some oil barons or something like that we haven't had the ridiculous investment of a chelsea or man city or that's what wins leagues these days or you run the club in a proper financial way, so I'd like to hear what the accountant amongst us thinks. <laughs> Which <Well, just, laughs> I, you know, I,
0: I say a lot. You know, I'm a huge fan of what, what Levy's done for this club, and you know, the, the fact that we're sort of very self financing, we've got this wonderful stadium. I'm totally with you, Matt, on this one, but I've sort of come to a point now where I think it needs to, the direction needs to change, and it's oh, got I, to be big investment. But I think, you know, I wouldn't have a statue of Levy outside the stadium, but I, I do hold him in high regard on what he's done. But there's been, in hindsight, doing this project, looking back, there's times where I think, oh, we've missed a trick there. We've missed a trick there. And it becomes very, in hindsight, it's easy to look back. That's sort of my view. And this possibly, it came in. Yeah, they could have threw a bit of money at it at the time. That That's sort of my take on it, to be honest. But I do love a tidy balance sheet, I have to admit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: when I had a little moan about it, people would say, oh, we don't want to do a Leeds. I don't think we were ever in any danger of doing a Leeds. We certainly aren't now, no, anyway. I agree. If we could just sort of go back to the season. So they, they sort of took over.
0: Sugar stepped down in February. And then, uh, Sim, if you can sort of update us what happened
3: in the March of that year. We went for a horrendous run the Ipswich game you're talking about was right in the middle of that it started at the beginning of December we lost to Old Trafford and then we went on a run of one win in 11 and in January there was a run of four straight 0-0 draws against Everton Southampton West Ham and Charlton do you guys remember that? I do Wow. I went to the Charlton one at home It was absolutely oh. <laughs> And that was the last of the four wasn't it, the Charlton one? Was it yeah, What, what was the feeling walking out of the ground Were people laughing Were people, were people booing they... uh, Yeah, yeah it,
0: was, it was toxic I think someone said toxic earlier And then took, we beat Man City away after that But then we pretty much lost a couple of games And then I think He was sacked after that game Sim, Am I right after yeah. the Derby County game Yeah he went
3: after the Derby game Hoddle came in five about yeah. five days later, but I yeah, heard it before just, the seminar.
0: Can, can I just ask a question here for our PR person? Um, here, so do you think obviously Enoch who came in, you know, they didn't spend any money, but do you think the Hoddle thing was a PR gift by Levy and Enoch to the fans?
2: Partially, yes, it's kind of a no brainer, really, isn't it? Hoddle's probably the reason I support Spurs, and you know, you've had an ex-Arsenal manager playing turgid football. Although it could be said that getting virtually anyone in at that time over Graham would have been welcomed. But, on the other hand, Hoddle then was a quality manager. That England team in in 98, you know, who went out to Argentina on penalties, was probably, you know, I'd argue the best one, certainly the best squad looking back possibly even better than the 96 team. You know, I remember Beckham getting sent off and he brought Paul Merson on and everyone out thought, what the hell is he doing? Uh, He was tactically very, very good. And I remember being hugely excited, not just because of Graham going and it being huddled back, but thinking, well, this guy knows what he's doing. He's been a successful manager with Chelsea and Swindon and England and so on. I can't remember how he was doing at Saints. I think he was struggling a little bit. But I remember thinking, you know, he he could be the right man for the job. And obviously, there was a, you know, a a kind of positive uplift for the fans. And slightly ridiculous that he had Arsenal and Sol Campbell in his first game, I think.
1: Peter, how how did you feel when Hoddles took over from George Graham? It's like a homecoming hero. You know, you just felt, you just felt, yeah, you definitely felt that lift. Having said that, if you think about Levy's appointment, yes, it was. Uh, it was a kind of a PR appointment. I, I wouldn't go as harsh as say it was a vanity appointment. It was a, definitely a manager who sort of tactically seemed to know what he was doing. But then down the years, he has proved himself to lurch from European-style manager to English manager to European-style manager to English-style manager. If, and, and I don't think there's been any pattern there or any real thought about it. I think he, he stumbled upon Poch. I think. He stumbled yeah. upon him, I think. I, I don't think it was really that well thought
0: out. Can I just throw the players, the other managers who were in the frame at the time? Because George Graham got fired uh. and then Vialli was in the frame, Joe Kinnear was in the frame, Oof. and Terry Venables was in the frame as well. Vialli would have been a good one for us, but again, I, I just think the strategy wasn't there with Enoch. I think Enoch have learned over the years they've got to have a strategy, and I think they've had a strategy with Potch and that cycle's finished, and do they have a strategy in Mourinho? That's obviously a debate for another time. But Hoddle came in his first game was the Arsenal semi, as we uh, talked about, which we lost, and then Sim towards the end of the season. It was a pretty turgid end to the season, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, I mean, he, he got an initial bounce, didn't he? He won three out of his first three out of his first four: beat Coventry, beat Bradford, beat Sunderland. But we lost a North London derby as a away game, lost two notes to Arsenal, so two defeats to Arsenal in your first. Three games it's not, you know. It just shows the levels between us and them, doesn't it? That that we we're, were just nowhere near them. They were a quality team at the time. But what I just found really interesting, looking at the way this season unfolded in the league, the home form versus the away form was it was extraordinary. We didn't we didn't actually lose a home game until quite quite long into the season. It was February that we won our first away game. And then the game after that, we lost our first home game. We only actually lost two home games in the season, but we only wow. won two away games, which I, I think is really, really interesting. That yeah,
1: is interesting, oh. actually. Uh, Might have got relegated without that home
3: form. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's obviously where we were. We lost 13 away games. So that's obviously where we were as a, as a side. They say that you have to win your home games to stay up. And... Jesus, I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't remember the home form being
0: that uh, great. I remember it being pretty poor yeah. form, actually, and turgid football. I think that, that was my undying memory. But just to sort of wrap up on George Graham, he had 126 games as Spurs manager, won 50, lost 41 and drew 35.
2: Fletch, that's pretty poor form. And he finished 11th and 10th. You know, he didn't really change anything, did he? When you know, he a kind of look at it on, on, on where we were. And thinking back, didn't we get rid of him in a slightly underhand way? He wasn't... I think wasn't didn't he do some media interview where he spoke he about club finances, he and did. we didn't just sack him because we'd drawn four games nil nil. I think we kind of made sure he didn't get a payoff by being in breach of his contract. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think I think he's a dead man walking, wasn't he, when he come in, Peter? Don't you think? Yeah, I remember since Innie came in, he's a dead
1: man walking. Yeah, I think the uh, fact that he got to to an FA Cup semi final, but then uh, it shows. I think the ruthlessness of that particular board and the fact that they would sack him before an FA Cup semi final. If I'm right in saying Hoddle did come in for that game, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did,
0: you're right. So the season, we ended up finishing 12th that season. So I think for me, the last game of the season, um, I went to the last game of the season actually, we won 3 1 at home to Man United. And I just sort of signed off the season thinking, okay, Hoddle's there, we beat Man United. Let's go again next year. Is that sort of your sort of guy's feelings, Peter?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's always nice to win those kind of marquee games, you know, but we never set the world alight that season. No,
0: we didn't.
1: In true form, I just want to sort of add in a pint of beer that <laughs>
0: season. It cost 2 pounds one p And Sim, how many games uh, on, on Sick Note Watch, how many games did Darren Anderson play that season?
3: So he played 25 times this season in all competitions. He played 42 the season after this which was okay. the 01 the 02 season.
0: That's the end of a pretty uh, tumultuous season, both in the boardroom and on the pitch, management wise as well. Peter, could you sum it up in, in, a, in a word? Could I have two? You can. Shabby Raincoat. Sim, how would you sum it up?
3: I'm going to go
2: False Hope. Matt Andy Booth.
0: Oh, that is classic. He's brought in on loan. Oh, that that I sunk when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know Andy Booth is, you, you, I think you should Google uh, Google Fletch. That's genius. Andy Booth, love that. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks so much, Fletch, for joining us. Been a pleasure having you on the last couple of days. You enjoy it? Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks for having me again. Another yeah, great is. performance. Uh, I'm sure Sim and Peter would agree. Fletch has stepped up again. And might even get Player of the Week. Do you think?
3: Oh, excellent, excellent performance.
0: Brilliant. Well, thanks guys for listening and hopefully join us again when we edge into the 1990s, which I'm not going to badge it up. It was a pretty turgier decade for a Spurs fan. So just join in so we can all moan about it. Thanks guys. Keep safe, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks guys.